The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to the final edition of Youthscape's podcast for 2019. Oh, phew. I nearly got really upset then and began to leave my, give my exit speech, which is all planned. I have I my often, exit speech. Have you really planned your well, exit speech? I kind of think it won't be long until you trade me in for a younger model. So I just need to have that. <laughs> I've got my <laughs> coat on ready, ready wow. to be whisked away. Trade you in for a younger model? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> There's some anxiety there, isn't there? I'll be trading you in for a younger model. There's, there's no anyway, one behind me. No I've trading. killed them all off. <laughs> so the last episode of 2019, how has your year looked? Very good. My name's Martin Saunders. She's Rachel Gardner. Oh yes, and we're the Youth Ministry Podcast. Hello. Yeah, hello. Welcome, brethren and sisters. I had a good 2019. Not a great 2019. Aww. It's been a difficult year, hasn't it? I don't think anyone could have really loved this year. Okay, so we've had good... Not so bad. Well, I just think, now difficult. I just think politically oh, I speaking, see. Sorry, I think politically. it's not been a yeah, great no, it's year. Not. It's been lots of twists and turns in lots of ways. But you know, I mean, I personally had a nice time. It's been lovely. <laughs> Politics don't touch me, mate. Well, you know, I'm that, not affected. No, I'm just saying. I, I'm, I mean, I'm chipper. <laughs> I'm upbeat. Still have a lip. Isn't it? It's important to be. You know, it's positive. all going to the dogs. But hold on, hold steady. Actually, what I love about you is you are well documented online about about your anger with what's going on. Like you're, yeah, you're yeah. brilliant at not letting stuff anger. pass. Yeah. You, you kind of call people out on that. So yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I I had an email this week that somebody said um, your book, uh, the man you made to be, available now. He didn't say that. Uh, he said your book uh, is very um, uh, is very good, uh, but I I think you'll regret. The stuff you wrote about Donald Trump oh. in there because it wasn't needed. And I think history will remember him as God's man. Oh, so, history wow. needs help then. So, history needs your book. So I, 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 you know, I'm not apologising, but uh, certainly there is a view out there that I should have been less political. Do I need to check your email before you send it back to him? No, no. It's fine. No, no. no. It's all good. Beautiful. So 2019, yeah, it's it's been an interesting year. Absolutely, I can't. And part of me, I don't know if you do this as well, listener, but I'm like it all kind of. I remember a few months back, and then anything before the summer Mm. morphs into was it this was it this spring or was it the spring before? Do you find that like your memory goes back a certain way? And pre me throwing up in every lay by on the A on the A one. Well that was this year. Wasn't it? Survivor. I don't really have much memory pre trauma of that. So it's a funny one, isn't it? I'm like when, my year When you think about culture this year, yeah. when you think about the, the world of young people. So yes. don't talk about the crown. No. Uh, the world of young people. What um, you know? What do you think of? I mean, well, I think of Greta Thunberg, but really, oh, yeah. it was a year ago. No, wasn't still it? this year but she really year she that, came to prominence. Well, this is the year that people got their knives out for her. So yeah. last year she could operate in a kind of a Teresa of Avila kind of yeah. a, a deified figure. This year we all want to know what her motives are yeah. and, and whether that's right or wrong. She got parents who are putting her yes. up to it. Yeah, that'll so, be it. So it was the kind of the lone female teenage girl voice the last couple of years. I yeah. feel like been the most provocative voices and I think um, the I suppose because I've moved from London to Preston so less so since being in Preston but just the stuff around knife crime mm. and gang crime and again that's been around for ages and mm. so many of you listen that have been doing the most incredible work in this area for years and years and years but it feels like this year suddenly the public consciousness has kind of woken in up a in a different way for sure in a different and new voices are holding to account 
I tell you um, one of the things that was we just mentioned Trump, didn't we? But one of the things that that sort of galvanised that was that in America, knife crime in the UK has been reported. Yes. Almost as a sort of defence of. Uh, of, of guns. guns. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I, I had a friend over uh, from the US a couple of months ago who, who was staggered to hear that knife crime wasn't happening in every street every night. You know, so people weren't thought... walking around with blades because that's how it's portrayed by the US media that basically it's better that there are guns than people walking around with machetes everywhere. Oh, and uh, and he, was, he was shocked to hear that, you know, we're actually talking about tens or hundreds rather than mm. hundreds of thousands of mm. people who've been affected. Um, and uh, But I think that actually has translated back across the UK and we've gone, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, you know, how, mm. how are you reporting it like that? So that's mm. also brought it into the public consciousness in a different way. And the race element of that as well, I think, as well. I think the right, you know, we've had some great podcasts, people like Mike Royal and Nathan and others who've really challenged us around that. But I think just waking up to mm. privilege, entitlement, just mm. the narrow bubbles that we occupy ourselves in, or just speaking out of turn, thinking we've got the answers when actually it's not our place to speak mm. and just understand that. So I think there's been lots of really positive things that have happened in the youth ministry community of us laying down some of our defences, realising that we've got so much more to learn, that, you know, most of us don't know anything really, we think we do, but we don't. So that's been really positive. I, I really feel that if there's one word that sums up my experience of the youth ministry, the Christian youth work, sorry, Christian youth ministry world in the UK, it's big this year is tribe. Like, it's the I, word, isn't it? I, I don't know. Did That's weirdly come into the, yeah. into the vocabulary. We're, it says everybody's using Suddenly it. everyone's saying tribe. And it's really nice because it doesn't feel like tribe along denominational lines. Mm. It doesn't feel like tribe along key doctrinal kind of bombs. It's like tribe as in we just all really, 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 really like young More like people. a family. Yeah, and, and like we can get really excited about that unit and actually we're quite happy to disagree on some of the other things. That's yeah. all right. What holds us together is stronger. So I, I think that's oh, like good. That. Not like a family like in Ramsey Street. No. Not like a mafia family. Mo- or, do you know, going to the mattresses still does something in me. I'm like, come on, people, let's go to the mattresses. Yeah. Oof, let's go to the mattresses. That's come up before on this it podcast, has. doesn't it? And I still want to do it. So it's the end of it's 2019. End of and we've got a fascinating interview today. We do. We do from across the pond. Really fascinating. And it's always you because I have no friends outside of England. Well, I only have friends at Princeton. I literally oh, just made friends at Princeton. Princeton. I got a Christmas card from Princeton. from the president of Princeton Theological Seminary. It was printed, not signed, but, but you made a list. I was on mail merge. You made a mail merge list. Yeah, somewhere. That is beautiful. That was a wonderful that thing was for Kendra me. Kinda behind the scenes there. I, Mrs. Saunders was like, "Who on earth is this?" Oh, she's not even slightly impressed. No impressed. Oh. So, uh, did this interview that we're about to hear is about uh, rest and Sabbath and staying healthy. Mm-hmm. And so I thought we would just start by talking about our own horror stories in that area. And because uh, I, I, I wrestle with this. Um, Gosh, so you wrestle I. with the rest. Well, that's the name of the book, Amy. Oh. Well Brilliant. done. I see the way you slotted that in. Yes, she's on it. She's that always on it. Effortless. No rest for Amy. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I wrestle with this kind of idea of, um, uh, uh, of well, avoiding. Or well, practically. Practically. So, so you know, like lots of people listening to this, the tension is God has called me to lots of different things, mm. and I also I have a family. It's quite a large family. I've got a lot of responsibilities. I'm uh, doing youth work at my church and that is 
um, that feels right and that feels like mm. it's of God. Um, but also, you know, I have all these other plates that I, mm. I spin. And your wife works Monday to Friday. She works She works most of the week. She works yeah, so there's a clash there, isn't there? Yeah, Just there is. Like me and Jason. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so there's this real kind of like, uh, how do you do work-life balance mm. thing? And I think there are certain times where I am working at absolute full pelt. And, and if I was listening to somebody like me right now, I would just be like, shut up, man. Yeah. I haven't got time for this. Don't tell me about resting mm. and Sabbath and slowing down. I can't. Mm. I've got too much on. Um, but there are other moments where I realise how busy I have been. And I think, I think uh, that it's maybe okay to have a rhythm, rather than having a, a, an all-year-round healthy yeah. rhythm, I think it's probably also okay to have a kind of mountaintops and valleys, peaks and troughs mm. kind of year. Yeah. So I, right now, have got no, nothing much on. Yeah. I've deliberately got nothing much on. I've, I've got other people speaking in my youth ministry. I call it my youth ministry again. Mm. That's a minus point for me. Uh, but I, you know, mm. I, I'm, I've spent the day to day, you know, just recording radio programs with you, which doesn't feel like work, uh, you know, and, and actually there's a lot of stuff that, that, that feels quite easy at the moment. Yes. The last three months I was working 70 hours a week for the last, for, for November because we had to put the National Youth Ministry Weekend on. Now I think if you want something like the National Youth Ministry Weekend to exist, some people somewhere are going to have to pull some 70 mm. hour weeks i think that's okay but the question is how you then balance that out across the the, the year and across yeah. your life so uh, that's my best way of reconciling the craziness of my life but you as my friend may now want to stage an intervention and tell me to stop well outside i have little zachary <laughs> he's gonna come now i well, i think i might be each there daddy oh, where have you been, <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> which of you is my daddy um but i think you, there has to be a sense in which we do honour each other and say, this is your you know, your bed, you lie in it. Like, you make this rhythm work. I remember Danielle Strickland saying to me once, don't talk about balance, Rachel, talk about rhythm. And ask yourself, is everybody dancing to the same tune in your family? If they're not, then change the rhythm. And if they are, even if it's crazy to the outside, then they're dancing mm. to the same rhythm. My kids are not dancing to my rhythm at the moment, so it's all a bit crazy. Um, my rhythm, because it's, it's mine. I set the rhythm, and they dance to my rhythm. And that's part of the issue, isn't it? I think if if we're not safe with our own well-being, mm. it's really difficult then to be safe for other people's well-being. But I am, um, so my, my Spanish throw into the works is that I am only paid one day a week. So my paid work is one day a week. So everything I do is voluntary. Mm. Um, and, it, and it doesn't, and it, and it feels like serious work because voluntary work is serious work. But it doesn't feel like I work one day and the rest of the time I'm swanning around. Mm. It feels really, really full on. And then when I'm not really, really full on with work, I'm the full-time carer of two children, one who's two years old which is relentless and, and full on, just like caring for an elderly relative or, you know, the many mm. things that we do that care for mm. people. Um, and so I've learned, and I stopped and said to myself, part of the reason I'm struggling with Sabbath is I have in my head this notion that Sabbath is essentially a spa day. Yeah. <laughs> a holy spa day. And unless I'm far away from the maddening crowd and getting my nails done and having some me time, then it's not really Sabbath. And I, so I've started saying to myself, I have two practices now. One I say, is rather than saying oh my goodness my kids are awake in the night again and I've got to be up early in the morning I say to myself I get to be awake with them when they're awake 
I, I get to be the one that they want to cuddle. So I'm trying in my head to say, I get to do that. And and in doing that, I feel like I'm I feel like whatever God is doing in that moment, I'm open to it. And then the other thing I say is this too is life. Because I think I was saying to myself, my life will begin when I have my rest all sorted and I'm really boundaried and I'm doing but this isn't life, this is just dropping the kids off at school. Mm. This isn't life, this mm. is doing like the Asda shop or the, or the oldie shop and yet again having my card declined again at the till. Like this isn't life. And I now say to myself, this too is life. And I think I haven't resolved any of the issues. I haven't got any more space to do anything I need to do. But I think it's shifted something in me that's opened up something that maybe I would in holy moments call Sabbath mm. in me. Mm. I don't know. Mm. So two in the morning, when your kid is wide awake and you're lying in bed with them super still to not be the entertaining parent, you find Sabbath because all you can do is lie still. Like, you've just got to be calm because this yeah. child will then be calm. And that, that forces us, I don't know, I mean, I'll listen. That feels quite deep, right? It do, and, and probably not that helpful and a bit weird and all the rest of it and probably not theologically correct. But Well, we've never let that stop us on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, we're, let's talk massively about stuff we don't know. But I, I don't know, I guess. Yeah. I guess lots of us are going to have our own yeah buts, aren't we? Yeah. And when it's, they, it's messy, yeah. especially in this culture. This culture is 24-7, always oh, on. Gosh. Like, actually, just saying no to that sometimes is Sabbath, isn't it? Just saying, actually, I'm just going to turn off. I'm not going to watch. No, Netflix. Yes. I don't want the next episode no. in seven, six, five. No, no. Yes. I say no yes. to you, Netflix. Yes. Even that is is a kind of choice yes. of Sabbath, isn't it? It is, it is. It's to say, I'm not going to watch one more episode. I'm not going to play one no. more game. And I guess if Sabbath is a day where you know you don't have to produce, not a day where it's me time in a kind of a weird pseudo 21st century, then Sabbath can be inviting two or three young people to come and go for a walk with you. Mm. It, because it's not about being away I mean that can be part of it but I'm yeah so I I think that maybe is and it's knowing yourself isn't it I don't need a whole day on my own actually after about five minutes I go stir crazy I go and find a a stranger on a bench and bug them so you know (laughs) I've always said that I, I if you ever go to a conference and you see that I'm doing a seminar on you know looking after yourself yes. self don't go to no, that seminar don't go to it. and that that we would be pretty Ooh. bad at that We'd but I think what we're talking about here is the wrestle that everybody has which is like busy world incredibly busy life wanting to you know especially when you're part of a church as well as a mm. whole bunch of obligations that come yeah. with being part of church and family and trying to earn a living and mm. trying to serve the Lord, mm. all of that stuff together, you know, that is, there's a lot of time constraints there. Can I ask you a question then? Because this is a bit of a bugbear of mine. And, and again, we're going to have a guest coming on in a minute who is much more knowledgeable. Yeah, he knows about this stuff. And his theology is excellent. It's brilliant. So, so hold on for that. But um, so, Sabbath, we still in the West have a very individual view of Sabbath. So, mm. Sabbath is me on my own doing my thing. Mm. And there's so much strength in that. And I need to hear that. But my little kind of where I get really uh, is I find that when my Christian friends exercise Sabbath, it's often at the detriment of community. So mm. it might be that it's a Saturday and we're like, let's do that. No, no, I, I, I'm not even giving yeah. good examples, but yeah, yeah. some people are left then still to love and care while mm. someone else is having Sabbath. And yeah. I think there needs to be times where we do say, no, I need to go and spend time with God, my father. That's what Jesus did. He took himself up the mountain. I need mm. to go and be alone with God. Of course, of course that. But I wonder if we could exercise more communal Sabbath. Yeah. So last night in our church, we put on something called Shindig, which we do every now and then, the Shindig Hangout. 
And people just rocked up and they did something. They weren't allowed to do anything holy. And I mean that in like the nicest possible sense. Like, um, they just sang songs they've written. They, they spoke spoken word. They read a story they love. They told some jokes. It was, there was nothing in it that was, here's a service, that's why we're gathering. It was just, and it was hangar. It was Sabbath. Mm. It was, let's just have fun together. The church that just hangs together mm. is beautiful, isn't it? And I think everybody felt really rested and restored. That's not the same as your own quiet space. Don't you think wrestling? That's, don't you think that's what a Sunday service should be like? And it wasn't massive stress setting up. We all brought our own booze, our own snacks. We plugged in the amp. Yeah, you're right. Shouldn't that be what Sunday's like? Yeah. Because it's not. Sunday's often ordeal. It's a big performance. It's, it's, yeah. And a performance, mm. especially for those of us that are serving and mm. leading things. It's stressful. It is, but actually, probably, mm. Sunday should be like going to church should mm. feel like sabbath it so often mm. doesn't anyway over to the expert uh this is my interview with uh mr nate stuckey who's way cleverer than either of us and has a really interesting project involving a farm Well, my guest today on the Youthscape podcast is Nate Stuckey, who I'm speaking to uh, at uh, Princeton Theological Seminary. Um, although, actually, Nate, you don't um, you don't always spend much of your time in the seminary itself, do you? But in a in a bizarre uh, <laughs> other location. Uh, it's true. Uh, I, I, by God's grace, I suppose I get to split my time, and I spend some time on the main campus, but then spend a good bit of time out at the seminary's farm. Uh, yeah, I know. So, so sorry to call that bizarre, but... Um, <laughs> but it is, I mean, there, there really aren't that many seminaries. There, there are a couple, but uh, not that many that, that have a farm. And so uh, it is, it's unusual for sure. But uh, I get to spend some time out there and it's wonderful. And people might have thought that there was a, like a, a typo in the, uh, in the description for this podcast or something. Um, but you really do call it the farminary, don't you? It's true. If you, you know, take farming and seminary and smash those two together, you get a, a farminary. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I didn't even do it. I, there, it was some random seminary student years ago who I think was actually trying to mock the idea. Uh, was like, what do you mean, a farminary? And, uh, you know, the name kind of stuck and we've, we've been with it ever since. So there we go. So it wasn't a mistake. But let's start a little bit further back. Um, so, Nate, you're the author of a, a new book called Wrestling with Rest, and it's helping. It's about helping young people to engage with ideas of, of Sabbath and rest. And, uh, and the kind of lens that you bring, the really unique lens that you bring to this, is working with young people and adults on the farminary. So um, let's, just ju- let's just dive right in there. So what does that, what does that look like? Like, how has working on a farm helped give you a completely new insight into working with, uh, well, anybody, but, but young people particularly? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, I mean, in some sense, I have to go all the way back to my childhood. I grew up on a farm in uh, South Central Kansas. Um, and so that farming um, way of life is, is kind of generations deep in my own identity. And there's a sense in which uh, so much of that is a gift to me. Um, this connection with uh, creation, this, this love of soil and seeds, and 
um, so many good things. Another thing that came along with that is uh, a work ethic that most of the time is an extraordinary gift, um, but occasionally can kind of go off the rails and uh, to put it in kind of theological terms, life can get reduced to, you know, what we can get done, us good, hardworking, faithful Mennonites. Did I mention uh, Mennonite is my uh, denomination um, and, and, and they too have this close you know, connection with the soil. So, so there's, there's kind of two sides to the farming thing. One of, of, um, this love of land and, and this work ethic, but, but also this other side, which is, um, you focus so much on what you can accomplish. You can lose sight of, uh, the things you can't accomplish, or again, in theological terms, lose sight of, of God's grace in the midst of that. Um, so, so the farminary at at, uh, at Eastern Seminary, one of the goals there is actually to try to experience time in a different way and to actually create this space. You know, sometimes on the main campus, it's a graduate school. Uh, it's go, go, go and get stuff done, get stuff done. Not uh, unlike, you know, farming gone sideways. And so to go out to our farm and to try to stop for a moment and to try to remember who we really are. Um, there's something very much analogous uh, to the Sabbath there for me, that uh, the Sabbath at its best is, is a time to stop and um, to, to end our, our going and going and going and to remember who we really are, which is not something we can actually achieve or attain or earn but is, is simply given to us as, as a gift of grace. So um, I'm not sure that quite answers the question, but oh, it's, wonderful, it's, wonderful. it's a vision for how these things kind of come together. I, I think whoever is listening to this podcast now, that all of us want to go outside and feel, feel the sun on the backs of our necks and, and work some land. So, so what, is it, what does it actually um, uh, look like? Like you, you obviously, it's not on the campus itself. So you have to make right. a journey there. And then, and then what does it look like when you actually arrive at, at the farm? Yeah, so the, the farm is about uh, two and a half miles from the main campus. And um, so if, if we're thinking about a, a course that happens out there, mm. then we, in order to get our, our contact hours in uh, and not freeze in the midst of winter, uh, we do our, our contact hours during the warm half of, of the semester. And, and then we're out there in six-hour blocks, but that six-hour block creates this uh, space where there is time to kind of um, dive into whatever we've been reading for the week um, in, a, in a really intentional uh, way, around, gathered around tables in the barn, uh, but then there's time to put that aside and then actually go out uh, into the farminary gardens and, and just do whatever needs to be done, whether it's pulling weeds or planting or harvesting or composting or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. uh, do that for uh, a couple of hours and, uh, and then typically share a meal together uh, and then have uh, even a bit of time after that for debriefing and and just reflecting on how the the time uh, in the texts and the time in the garden and the time at the table all actually 
feed each other and um, and and ideally contribute to a kind of formation that is is really three dimensional and and it invites not only you know our whole being kind of uh, mind and soul and body but also the kind of the whole community of creation recognizing our dependence on our neighbor both to help understand the texts for the week but also to help pulling weeds and also to help with the potluck meal. Um, uh, so just trying to embrace all of that in a, in a kind of three dimensional way. And, uh, and I think, you know, I, I don't know that that's, that equals the Sabbath, but that thing of that rhythm of, of, of diving into a text and then taking a break from it and then sharing a meal together, there is that sense of, of a rhythm, um, mm. that isn't just, well, read all the pages and and dissect it as deeply as you can and argue with each other about who understands it the best, you know, something like that. It, it feels it feels inherently healthy, doesn't it? There's just something about it, at the rhythm of what you're talking about, the pace of what you're talking about feels healthy in a world that has just got faster and faster in terms of uh, the pace that it moves, but also the speed, uh, the rate of change, the speed in which culture is developing. It feels yeah. healthy. To kind of get back to basics in this way. Yeah, I mean, I think that a, a, a sort of basic question here is, what does it mean to be human, mm-hmm. and um, and 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 how do we sort of embrace that um, um, with our best understandings of learning, our best understanding of who God is, and then actually live that out. And um, I don't, I don't think that the academy was ever it never intended to kind of um, disembody people or reduce their functional anthropology to like a brain on a stick. But, but again, when that goes, when, when, when the academy or intellectualism goes sideways, it, it, we can kind of live our lives that way. Yeah. And um, so, you know, a, a question that I have scribbled on a note on my desk that's been here for years is, you know, um, is the body any good for theological education? Is it any good for the church? Is it any good for the life of faith? Or um, at our most um, backwards, do we actually see the body as an impediment to um, who we're supposed to be? And and you can actually see this, um, particularly in the academy, where, where people perceive their bodily functions as an impediment to what they're trying to do. You know, it's kind of like, oh, just imagine what I could get done, eat, and I didn't have to sleep, right? <laughs> and uh, so I, there's something really backwards about that. So how do we kind of open ourselves up to, um, um, and this gets to the to the Sabbath conversation, how do we open ourselves up to a, an understanding of what it means to be human um, that, that uh, sees rest as absolutely... Um, critical to uh what it means to be human as opposed to something that is opposed to it how do we uh, uh understand ourselves and as as embodied and that our bodies are not contrary to who we're supposed to be but are integral to who we're supposed to be and you know that the, the body question and, and the rest question absolutely go hand in hand mm. um if we're if we're willing to be open to that and we recognize bodies we recognize sleep we recognize the human community we recognize the whole community of creation and we recognize a vital dynamic relationship with god also as uh, there's no being fully human apart from those things. Um, and, uh, you know, I have kind of Christology in mind there, but a host of other things as well. Right, great. So as you said, we're, 
going to get on to Sabbath and uh, the book specifically, uh, just as a, by way of segue into that, because the, the young people actually appear in the subtitle of the book. Um, you obviously are working at, uh, at Princeton uh, Seminary now doing this work, but beforehand uh, you actually were a youth pastor. So just tell us a little bit about your kind of background in youth ministry. Sure. So in my own youth, uh, there was no paid youth worker on staff at my church. There were just volunteers. So I didn't even know that you could get paid to do this until I was uh, in in college. And uh, a friend of mine, when he graduated, became a youth pastor. And I thought, oh, that's a that's a brilliant idea. Um, you get get paid to uh, hang out with young people and um, um, and do ministry. And so after college. Um, got married and then moved uh, a thousand miles so I could take a half-time job uh, as a youth pastor in a small rural Mennonite church uh, in Maryland. Um, and it turned out that um, I had only been there a few months when there were a couple of other very small churches in the community who found out I was there and they were interested in, in and their young people having a place to go. And so within a few months, I was actually full-time, and I was full-time um, between three different churches um, from three different denominations. So wow. I was, by, by employment, I was half Mennonite, one quarter Presbyterian, and one quarter Church of the Brethren, and we put all the youth in, into one group, and it was kind of a, a community youth ministry, and uh was was there for six years and um and it was it was really really a wonderful wonderful season uh of of my life uh of the life of our family um but that was you know that was kind of where i cut my teeth as far as um um both my love for young people growing and my um hunches about about their lives and where God is and all of that. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's the background. And then, and actually came to Princeton seminary intending to get uh, a master's in youth ministry. And then, and then my doctoral work um, was, was on young people and, and Sabbath. Mm, which is, uh, so you've kind of kept that thread uh, into this book. And again, you know, uh, you're being specific about young people. And yeah. So, so give us a little bit of an overview and tease this uh, really excellent book that you've written, Wrestling with Rest. Yeah, so, you know, one kind of shorthand way of, of describing the book is I'm asking this question, does it matter that we profess to worship a God who rests in a society and oftentimes a church that doesn't rest? Um, and uh, so there is a, a wrestling both with... Um, um, young people and, and kind of adolescence as a season of life and what that means and where rest factors into that. And this recognition that um, oftentimes rest uh, is, is just perceived as um, kind of a, um, a disposable commodity. Uh, we'd like to have it. We, we'd like to have more of it, but you know what, when, when there's a time crunch or whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll give up rest, we'll give up sleep before we give up a lot of other things. Mm. Um, that's one um, way that, that uh, young people and, and society can kind of view rest, but it can also even go to a more uh, sinister place. Uh, um, there's a, a, a coffee shop here in Princeton that sells a mug, and the caption on the mug is, uh, sleep is for the weak. And uh, well, well, I mean, it's, it, there's, it's certainly tongue in cheek and, and, you know, they're, 
trying to be funny. There's also an element of truth to that uh, as far as a societal perception, particularly in Princeton, New Jersey, where you have Princeton University and Princeton Theological Seminary. And uh, there is this sense of like, you know, the strong don't actually need sleep. We, they're, they're really strong. They're really successful. Um, they don't need sleep because, you know, sleep is a sign of weakness. So, so how do we wrestle with that next to all of the research which says um, young people and really all people actually depend on rest for health and vitality? Um, so that's one, one piece of it, looking at young people. And then there's the whole theological exploration, which is trying to look at really the life of, of God uh, and, uh, and where rest factors into that. Uh, a good bit of time um, with the seven-day uh, creation saga from Genesis one one to two three, and then and then a whole chapter uh, on Jesus and the Sabbath because uh, it seems like Jesus is sure messing with the Sabbath or what's going on there. Um, hmm. But at, at the end of the day, the, the argument is that that Sabbath is a gift uh, of extraordinary grace, and uh, you know the seventh day of creation is is the Sabbath rest. It's humankind's first full day of creation. At that point in the story, humans have no work of their own to reflect back on. They can only really look at God's work. Um, and so there's no way that they can think that that Sabbath rest is something they've earned. It's just a gift of, of God's grace. Uh, and I think that theme shows up over and over uh, throughout scripture um, that uh, it's, it's an extraordinary gift, um, but it turns out to be really challenging uh, to accept it because of all the forces that kind of push back against it yeah this seems to be like a real challenge among uh church uh folk and christian leaders yeah the, the listeners to this podcast uh will be pretty much all in some form of leadership mm -hmm. and it's sort of there's two things going on at once um on the one hand we absolutely would all agree with everything you're saying and hold to the idea that there's a rhythm of six and one in creation and sabbath rest is vitally important but also there's this kind of idea that to be a real champion in ministry means going the extra mile and mm -hmm. uh, doing a crazy 70 hour week every week and and actually somehow you're honoring God by giving absolutely everything, especially when you're somebody who might be a volunteer. So yeah. you, I like the, the folk you talked about in your, in your first church growing up, um, yeah. you, know, you were working full time as a doctor in the week and then at the weekend responsible for the youth ministry at the church. So there's this idea, isn't there, that, that uh, actually uh, God wants us to do less and God wants us to do more and they're fighting each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I think, that we as leaders in the church, as uh, youth workers and, and youth pastors, I think we have a, a really serious question to ask ourselves about what it means to proclaim the gospel. And, um, and I think we have assumed often that the way we proclaim the gospel is by working hard. And, and, and oftentimes that is true. And the work of ministry is extraordinarily hard work. But what we've missed, I think, along the way is the possibility that our willingness to stop and rest because there's work that we were never meant to do, that that stopping in and of itself proclaims the gospel in a whole other register. Wow. Because, you know, 
though we, I think all of us would proclaim salvation by grace through faith in one way or another, mm. when our lives are going and going and going and never stopping, we're not proclaiming grace. We're proclaiming at some level that we think that it actually depends on us. And as far as I can tell, if that's the case, then we're in trouble. Mm. Uh, the gospel at the end of the day is about what God has done uh, in Christ. And, uh, and, this, and, and the way I see the Sabbath is that it is this powerful reminder um, that salvation was never ours to earn or to achieve, but that we can actually stop, we can actually rest, because the work of salvation at the end of the day must be God's. Mm -hmm. And that in our stopping and our resting, we can actually bear witness to that, to mm -hmm. ourselves and to our communities and to our young people in a way that our endless work never can. Um, Kenneth Dean tells this story in, uh, uh, in her great book, um, um, The God-Bearing Life, about when she was uh, doing college ministry and she had established with her family that like uh, Sunday night was going to be family night and uh, and she wasn't going to be doing college ministry on Sunday night. And then her her leadership team of college students decided that Sunday night was going to be the night when they wanted to do whatever it was, some activity, some regular activity. And and Kenda was up against this kind of conundrum of like, oh, no, I, I, I told my Sunday night it was going to be family night. Um, but now you know, my, my students, my youth are doing this thing and she had to make a decision and she ultimately decided to honor her family and stick with family night. Um, uh, which means, you know, she, she said no to all of those hours with those students. Fast forward a year or two, or I don't know how many, and one of these college students came back to her and said that the most powerful thing Kenda ever did in her ministry with them was to keep that family time. Mm. Uh, because it, I think it said something in the register of, of Sabbath that like there were limits that were going to be drawn um, and, and that it was okay to say no to certain things mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, the, the fruitfulness of the ministry, the reality of God's work in Christ can't depend on what we do or don't do. Um, it's gotta be, it's gotta depend um, on, on who God is and what God does. Mm, I, lo I love this, Nate. And, and I think for people listening, there's one kind of key question, uh, which is kind of, so how, how do I force myself? How do I discipline myself is probably a better word to start to orient myself in this new direction, because this is not how we practice ministry at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's, a book that was written how oh, more than a decade ago now by uh, a secular Jewish woman named Judith Shulevitz. Um, the title is something like uh, Sabbath glimpses of a different world of time or something like that. Yeah. And um, Shulevitz grew up in a, uh, in a home where her, her, um, her father wasn't really interested in, in the faith. Her mother, you know, kind of tried to keep uh, some of the rhythms of their Jewish faith and, and, um, Shulowitz grew up and grew out of it, whatever. All, but but then in adulthood, she became really fascinated with the Sabbath, and she basically devoted devoted an entire decade of her life to studying the Sabbath and learning about it. And she wrote this book, and she writes beautifully about it. It's this great primer on all things Sabbath. She gets to the end of the book, describing it, and she basically says, "I love the Sabbath. It is so beautiful, um, but I can't do it. 
<laughs> and, and I'm reading this going, what? Uh, and she's like, the only way I can imagine actually living this out is if I was part of a community that was also trying to live it out. And the, the farther I am into my own Sabbath journey, the more I think she's right. I think there, there's a risk in all of our kind of spiritual practices, practices of faith, of reducing them to a question of, well, this is about me and God. And, and I think that's dangerous on a number of levels. But, but one of the, the realities is, there is there's basically no evidence whatsoever in Scripture anywhere where Sabbath is given to a person. <laughs> Sabbath is given, I think, to the whole creation. Uh, in Genesis 1, it's given to the whole you know, company of Israelites in the wilderness in Exodus 16. And there are, are basically no stories of Jesus alone on the Sabbath. Um, so uh, my, my first thing is, like, can you find a few people to go on this Sabbath journey with? Um, a few people who are willing to do the kind of identity-shaking work that is stop. Um, and, and, you know, and I think part of that, um, is that if you're willing to go there, then you will, you'll need to be prepared for, um, a, a great challenge. I, I would say even a, a little death of sorts. Um, part of what happens on this Sabbath journey, if you're, if you're actually willing to stop and put down your achievement and your accomplishment as the source of your identity is that you have to reckon with all the ways that you have trusted your own achievement as the source of your identity. And so part of what's happening with this Sabbath journey is that we're, we're putting down those things. I think we're, we're letting go of our lesser identities. Um, uh, we're actually inviting their death <laughs> so that we can, uh, so that a new identity can take root. And that new identity is one that is, is rooted in, in God's grace, uh, which as far as I can tell is the only place where we actually want our identities to be rooted anyway. Mm. But it can be, it, there can be a lot of anxiety and struggle in letting that productivity rooted identity or that achievement rooted identity or that consumption rooted identity to pass away. Um, which again comes back to, I think, the importance of, of having a community, uh, even if it's just a few people to go on this journey with. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and working together in that, in that direction and, and to do it as, uh, as an act of faith, uh, uh, an act of sort of radical trust that at the end of the day, God's grace is real, mm. which is, this is an opportunity that kind of put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, what I loved during that answer um, my uh, my dog came into the room and sort of sniffing the microphone and then and then sh sort of shook very loudly next to me. I and the the listener may well have picked that up and wondered what on earth was going on, but it sort of felt apt. So I, I I've left it in because uh, absolutely it felt like a, the great thing about a dog is it just has a wonderful sense of almost constant Sabbath. Actually, the, uh -huh. my dog does about one hour's work a day. Uh, you know. And other than that, she just lies down. So, yeah. Well, but I would also add to that, right? That I think that there is, um, I think that the the vision in Scripture and in the best of the theological tradition of the Sabbath is one that includes the whole creation. So, like the sabbatical years in uh, uh, in ancient Israel, the Jubilee year, these are are Sabbaths for creation. And so, you know, I think. That, 
a dog is not bad company <laughs> yeah. uh, on the Sabbath journey. And I, I don't think that's just trivial. I think, I think that, that there is a way to be sort of in communion with God and neighbor and the whole creation uh, as, a, as a very sort of vibrant way of receiving the Sabbath. My dog looks very pleased with you right now. <laughs> um, so like finally, uh, Nate, you know, people can get hold of the book from the usual places. Um, it's called Wrestling With Rest. Um, I, you know, as I said, it's a, it's a great book. It's a youth ministry book, but it's also, there's, there's something for you as a leader as well. Do you want to just give us a kind of a, uh, a pitch why people might find this helpful, interesting, entertaining. Yeah. Well, I think that um, the the at the end of the day, we all long for an identity that is rooted in something deeper than ourselves. Mm. Um, and uh, and I think our youth long for that i think we long for that and uh i think i hope that the good news that's proclaimed in, in and through the book is that god has been waiting to give us that identity all along um and uh um and it's there and it's there you know i think supremely in in christ um and and the sabbath is this really really powerful uh manifestation of that um so if, if people are curious about the book, but not sure, uh, we did build a website for the book, wrestlingwithrest.com, where there uh, are some introductory videos and free uh, downloadable study guides, one that's geared towards um, parents of, of young people, uh, and another that's geared specifically for youth workers or youth pastors. Um, I, I actually believe that there's an opportunity for for deep transformation in our lives, in our young, in the lives of our young people, uh, in our you know courageous openness to receiving uh, this gift. Brilliant! Thanks, Nate. Uh, the book is Wrestling with Rest: Inviting Youth to Discover the Gift of Sabbath. Uh, this is Nate Stuckey, or you may find him if you're if you're looking for the book. Uh, Nathan T. Stuckey is your sort of official uh, writer name. Um, and uh, it's a brilliant book do get a hold of it thanks Nate for coming on the podcast oh it's been my privilege thanks so much for having me great to hear from Nate and I think he really did pull together quite a lot of threads that you and I sort of unraveled a bit beforehand so I I feel there's a completion there that's wonderful so uh it is the end of 2019 yeah and probably you are looking forward to 2020 and possibly might have that shiny crisp white paper in your file of facts feeling yeah or maybe you've got a copy of the game plan oh the game plan and you've got some gaps (laughs) and you're thinking Shall I do a Sabbath? Or shall I do more training? Shall I fill up my calendar? Because that is what I do do. But but to honour Nate and this very important topic, what if, like, training can be Sabbath? What if, like, you can coincide and say, actually, time, kind of harnessing the skills and digging deep into what God's called me to, 
is also a way of me kind of feeding my soul and realizing that it's the person that I am that God's called, not just the products that I produce. I'm telling you, Yearscape training is, it it's is like, it's not, it's not, it's it's sabbatical, that's it's right. It's sabbatical. Yeah. So we have some fantastic training days coming up. And the first, Martin, on this bit of paper, Friday the 7th of February, you and our very own Matt Allen yeah. are doing a seminar called The Man You're Made to Be. That would be a good book. I'm very excited title. about that, yeah. Helping boys to connect with Christian faith. Yes. This sounds like a very pressing topic. Very specific. So we're not like, this isn't just like how to deal with boys. Yes. This is yeah. how to help young yeah. men plug into the Christian faith. So it's a very specific topic. Uh, Matt is a brilliant youth worker. Mm. Uh, works here with um, some very hard to reach yeah. young 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 men in uh, in Luton, and is able to build amazing relationships with them. Uh, I, from my leafy middle class context, will give a different perspective, uh, but nonetheless, I've written a book. Will you bring lots of stories? I will. I'll have at least one story about lock, being locked in a toilet or something. Oh, fantastic! Wonderful. That is great. And uh, there's a sexting and social media one. There's is that there, you? That is me. There in Preston, that one's in Preston. That one's in Prestonia. Come see me up north. I won't let you go home. I won't. If you you're, Preston, if you've heard of banging on about Preston for the last staying. however you are many staying. weeks. And, uh, and you're, you're intrigued. Yes. You're intrigued. You can go up to Preston on the 28th of February and meet yes. the woman herself. Yes. Rachel Gardner. Come Talking on. about sexting. Come There's on. a surprise. <laughs> Social media and staying safe online. It's a great price. Uh, and you can find out all this information if you go to youthscape.co.uk forward slash training. Hang on, I want to add one more in. Okay. So can I just say this, uh, this fundraising for independent charities and youth projects training day which will be Chris Curtis, mm-hmm. will be absolute gold. And if that is, if you are in the, the Venn diagram for that, if mm. you are in the target market for fundraising for independent charities and youth projects, you're basically going to get a day with the Curtis, the world's greatest fundraiser for youth ministry based in Luton. <laughs> what a claim so please come along we'd love to see you at one of these there's one on climate justice and shared spaces in schools lots and lots of really exciting things so go to the website and you can find out and book yourself on youthscape.co.uk slash training yes. so uh, final podcast of 2019 we should do some quick shout outs uh, I want to do a shout out for the long suffering Mrs Saunders and Mr Gardner oh, they yes. have allowed us and supported us to do Another 50-odd of these, Do so thank you. Do you think either of them have ever listened to any Not of them? Not a one. No, no. Not any ever. He's such a monkey. So cheeky. And I think we should do stars of the year. Oh, yeah. Should we do some stars of the year? Super. Well, okay. Well, I think everybody. So all of you, give yourself a gold star for being fabulous. Yes. yes. Who stood out for me? I think it has to be someone like Aaliyah Pike. Oh, Aaliyah, you, you, you do like your Nazarenes. I do like my Nazarenes. And Aaliyah is nothing but encouraging and generous and always listens to the podcast and always quickly messages and tweets about it. Gemma Dunning as well. You're a star. And when some of the podcasts are like really, really long, you send us very nice little cryptic messages like, um, I haven't really got more than an hour to waste of my life on the podcast, so keep it under, please. So Gemma Dunning and Aaliyah Pike, you're my stars of the year. Oh, well, I... I think it would be remiss of me not to say, for me, 2019 was all about the team at Soul Survivor. Because not only did they deliver incredible final festivals, but they didn't go, actually, we've changed our mind. (laughs) We'll be back next year. 
So well done to every single person who's been involved at every level of that organisation. But of course, uh, the glorious Mike Pilavarchi for his incredible service to young people and youth ministers over the last 27 years. We salute you, sir. You are our man of the year.